Jaimasi, that's the traditional greeting that the Christians give to one another in Nepal. Jaimasi, I think it is loosely translated as victory to the Messiah, so it's a good uh, way to start. This morning, I want to talk about love. Now, I realize that we could do a whole series on that subject, but I want to look at three elements only this morning. The first is love crosses barriers. The second is love builds bridges. And the third is love never fails. Jesus was asked when he was around, what's the greatest commandment? And he replied by saying, well, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So it's pretty crucial. He also said later on, by this, everyone will know, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So it's a crucial element of the Christian life. God is love. Love is a crucial part of our Christian life. And without it, the Apostle Paul tells us that things are valueless. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, it's it's nothing. If I give all I have to the poor and I don't have love, it's worth nothing. So love is a crucial element here. So I want to just look briefly at a story that some of you may be very familiar with from John's Gospel, chapter 4. It's the episode where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And I want to look at some of the elements from that story, briefly, and other things as well. So let's have a look at John's Gospel, chapter 4, and I want to read from verse 4. I want to look at what Jesus does here. So from verse 4, I'm going to read to verse 30. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, The water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. So I want to first look at the fact that love crosses barriers. And we have this story of the woman at the well. And here we see Jesus demonstrating something of what it means to cross barriers. He crosses three main barriers here. The first one is he speaks to a woman. When the, He's a rabbi. He recognizes a rabbi at this time. And he comes. And when the disciples come, they're surprised, it says, that they find him speaking to a woman. In the heat of the day here, he's tired, he's thirsty. It seems in some ways to be a very natural thing to do. But in those days, it would have been culturally more unacceptable than it is today. So he crosses that barrier. He crosses a barrier of gender here. She was a Samaritan as well. And the Jews at that time considered the Samaritans to be half-breeds. Under the laws of Moses, Jews were meant to marry Jews. But the Samaritans had mingled with the Assyrian invaders some time before and had intermarried with them. So they were looked down upon by the Jews, in fact, to such an extent that Jews would often, to get from the south to the north of their own country, they would bypass Samaria rather than go through it because of their prejudice. But Jesus here is not only, uh, he's right in the heart of the place where the Samaritans are. He sits down and he crosses this barrier of prejudice that there is by speaking and being in this Samaritan location. Not only that, he asks her to give him a drink of water. This would have been amazingly unheard of in those days, that he, a Jew, a rabbi, would drink from a cup of a Samaritan woman. I read this in the newspaper. It was in the newspaper only yesterday. This lady, who's a farm worker from the rural Punjab, has spent the past five years in prison, uh, accused of blasphemy. It's in Pakistan. She's written her memoir, and she describes the alleged offense, which she has always denied. She writes this, I drank water from a well belonging to Muslim women using their cup in the burning heat of the midday sun. She says, I, Asia Bibi, have been sentenced to death because I was thirsty. I'm a prisoner because I use the same cup as those Muslim women because water served by a Christian woman was regarded as unclean. So perhaps the story of Jesus at the well is not as remote as we might see it is today. So he's crossing this amazingly huge barrier by asking her for a drink from the same cup as she would drink out of. In addition to that, she was a sinner who had been excluded by her community. So we see here that Jesus' love crosses many barriers. 
We also have later on uh, the story of Jesus when he meets the centurion, the Roman centurion. And the Romans, of course, were invaders at that time. They were an occupying army. Now, just before Joe and I went out to Kathmandu, I read a book called uh, When Paris Went Dark. And it's all about the occupation of Paris during the Second World War by the Germans. It's a very fascinating book. And in the book, we read that uh, when the occupiers came, they took the best houses. They set up the palaces for their own offices. They ate and drank at the best cafes. They plundered the art. They restricted movement within the city. They imposed curfews. They abducted people. They persecuted people. They executed Parisians who they thought were objecting to their occupation. Some, obviously, collaborated as at the time of Jesus. But you can imagine that having an occupying army in place is not something that is going to be looked at generally very favorably by most of the population. So here this Roman centurion comes to Jesus asking him for help, and Jesus sees beyond the prejudices of his day to reach out to that man and heal his servant. In fact, Jesus does something quite outrageous here as well. He actually commends the Roman occupier for his faith. He says, I haven't seen faith like this in the whole of Israel. So Jesus acts in a completely outrageous way, going against the cultural norms of his day, both with the Samaritan woman at the well and with the Roman centurion when he comes to him. Jesus' love crosses barriers. Now, I don't know about you, but my natural reaction is I find that prejudices often rear their ugly head. They do, and it can be just simply through walking through the town center. You know, I sit at an office up there. Most of the time, I go out here and there, and at lunchtime, I like to go out and walk, get a bit of exercise, and I'll walk through the town center, maybe go to the library or something like that, and uh, I just walk, and I see, even without talking to anybody, just looking at people. Maybe I'm unique here, I don't know. Maybe there's an echo in your heart, but I sense prejudices just rising up within me, just as I look at people just by the way they look. Maybe it's someone is standing there smoking. And I can be immediately prejudiced against that person. Why? Because they're smoking. And I don't like smoking. Or just the way they dress. Or their just general appearance. Or the way I might hear them speak. And I can be prejudiced against those things. We can be prejudiced on many levels. By people's customs, their race their religion, the color of their skin, the language they speak. It's a big thing in our country about immigration. You know, who do we let into this country? Why do we let them into this country? And we can easily find that prejudices can rise within us. Jesus here, on the other hand, he treats people as individuals. I love that about him. He accepts people amazingly. Yes, he confronts them from time to time, but he accepts them generally with amazing love and compassion. And I have to ask myself, when I look at people, do I judge them? Do I have prejudices? Do I have barriers between me and those people? One of the things that I find that I try and do in order to overcome the prejudices and the barriers that I have in my life, and it was, I guess it was sparked by something that Neil said many, many years ago. It must have been, I don't know, 15 years ago, I don't know. And um, 
he did a sermon and he talked about everybody has got a story. Everybody has got a story. And it really stuck with me. And uh, it's settled like a grain of sand you know, in, in an oyster, I hope. And I hope something good has come out of that. Because it's made me realize that actually, if I can just reach out to people and see beyond the outward appearance, whether it's their language, the color of the skin, their culture, or anything, if I can reach out to them, then that's a good thing. Joy and I, as you know, were out in Kathmandu recently. Just got back on Wednesday night. And thank you for praying for us, by the way. And thank you for your amazing support in many ways. I'll talk more about that maybe as I go on. And one of the things we did was we took our dear friends, Amos and Dolma. Amos was over here last year and stayed with us a couple of weeks. And we took him and his wife out for a meal to a nice hotel. It's the kind of thing they would probably never do, but they would do it because we, you know, will treat them as it were. So we said, we'd like to take you out. Do you want to go for an evening meal or for lunch? I said, we'd like to go for lunch. So we took them out for lunch to this hotel, nice hotel in Kathmandu. So if you're afraid of coming out to Kathmandu, there are nice hotels that you can stay in, you know, where you can, you can eat safely. All right. And uh, we took a group of our young people out to Nepal last year, and we took them to this hotel in the evening, twice in fact, and they loved it. So anyway, we took Amos and Dorma out during the day, and we walked into the hotel, and Joy, my wife, said to me, oh, this is very nice. And uh, I said, oh, have you never been here before? And bearing in mind, we stayed in Kathmandu for three months in 2012. I said, have you never been here before? I felt really guilty because every time I go, I'll say to somebody, would you like to come to this nice hotel and, and eat nice food and it's safe and uh, it's a nice environment? So she said, no, you never took me. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, <clears throat> points lost. So it was during the day, and I had never been there myself during the day. I'd always ever been there in the evening. So we sat in the restaurant, and there was a lovely view of the garden. It's a beautiful garden. And Joe said, I'd love to sit there and read my book. And so we, I arranged for us to go back there later. So we went back there later so Joy could sit there and read her book. And so we could just have a bit of re- relaxation time. Anyway, there was a lounger there in the garden. And it was a big, chunky, solid wooden thing. Not like you get over here plastic with wheels. It was a big, chunky, heavy, solid thing. And we wanted it moved. And there was a... There was one of the guys, workers, walking past us, and I spoke four words to him in Nepali. I said, Tapai hamilai madat garnus, which simply means, please can you help us? Tapai hamilai madat garnus. Nothing complicated, simple, easy. And he very kindly helped us move this lounger. And then later on, so I thought no more about it, later on, I was walking through the garden, and he came up to me. And he spoke to me in Nepali, and he said to me, I was very surprised when you spoke Nepali to me. And then we got chatting. He asked me what I did for a living. And again in Nepali, I said, Ma pasta hu, which means I am a pastor, because they understand that pasta bit. Many of them do anyway over there. So I said, I am a pastor. Again, it was like two Nepali words and an English word in between. And uh, <clears throat> he was... He was quite amazed, and he began to talk to me. He said, oh, my younger sister is a Christian. This was all in Nepali. He didn't speak English. He just spoke to me in Nepali, and he said, my younger sister is a Christian. I said, oh. And then I said, I'm surprised, because he told me he was surprised that, that I spoke Nepali. So I told him I was surprised that his... All I'm saying is this. I began to cross a barrier. 
I began to reach out to him. And then he, much to my amazement, he started to quote the Bible to me. He started to quote the beginning of John's gospel. And it just so happens that I know the beginning of John's gospel in Nepali because I've read it many times. In the beginning was the word, Suruma Bachan Hunuhuntio. So he was quoting it to me, and I was quoting it back to him. So he was, I was surprised that he could quote the Bible, and he was surprised that I could quote the Bible. <laughs> you know, it's just getting beyond that barrier and seeing not that he's simply somebody who works, uh, has a menial job in that hotel, but he's some individual who's got a story which may be unique. And if I take the opportunity and the time, just have a little conversation with him, I might be surprised what I find out. And in fact, the conversation went on for some time. We talked about Jesus. I asked him if he was a believer, if he believed in Jesus. And he assumed that my Nepali was better than it was. So he started really going it. And I was like trying to catch up, you know. And I was getting bits and pieces, but I was also getting well left behind. But as he was talking, I was thinking, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And I was trying to remember what that was in Nepali. So in the end, I got through and I, told, and I said to him, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And I told him that in Nepali. And then his boss called him. And that was the end of the conversation. But love seeks to cross barriers. And if we sometimes can make that effort to get beyond our own, sometimes they're just minor prejudices. Sometimes we can get past those minor ones and reach out to someone and speak to them. Then it's a good thing we can communicate with them. And who knows what the Lord may do. And it could be, Joy and I were talking about it later, it could be that, who knows, Maybe that man's sister had been praying for him. Maybe that man's sister had been praying for him that day. Maybe that man's sister had been praying, Lord, I pray that my brother will meet a Christian today at the hotel. Who knows? I don't know. But the point is this. Jesus crossed barriers with the woman at the well. Huge barriers. Love crosses barriers. I wonder, are there any barriers in your life? Are there any prejudices that you may have? There may just be small niggly ones. May not be massive, but there are any barriers that you need to cross in order to reach out to others with God's love. And I find one of the delights in life is seeking just to. Sometimes I, I'm a bit of a space invader. I realize that I will invade people's space, and I know everybody doesn't like it. But I'll invade people's space. You can invade people's space in different ways, can't you? I could invade your space right now. I better be careful. No. See, I'm invading Steve's space. Yeah? I'm invading it in a particular way. I'm a nice Steve. Yeah? yeah? Okay. <laughs> well, you did sit on the front row. What do you expect? If you don't want your space to be, sit in the back row. I could invade somebody's space in the back row, couldn't I, if I wanted to? See, I'm invading your space. There's different ways of invading people's space, isn't there, Tony? Um, but I could invade people's space in other ways. Have you had a good week, Dave? Yes, thank you, Bob. Okay, what have you done? Oh, I've been working mostly, and... Um... Working, okay. Yeah. What kind of work have you been doing? Uh, consultancy, helping people to get the CE mark on their products. So have you been out and... What's a CE mark? It's the uh, European um, mark for allowing things to be moved around. You didn't tell me we could do this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everybody. Um, you see, 
That, and that's the way I'm made up. I, I recognize that. I'm very interested in people. I blame Neil, actually. You know, since he gave that sermon, it really set me off on a road that I'm still trying to work through. That just to get to know people, just to connect with people. And Jesus was brilliant at connecting with people. We see him connecting with Zacchaeus up on the tree. Again, he crosses another prejudicial barrier there. And Jesus, in order to bring God's life, bring God's light, bring God's love, we need to cross barriers. Well, love also builds bridges. And uh, maybe you were here a few weeks ago at King's, I don't know, and where we had Daryl Tunningly come and speak to us and share his story. Now, I, w- I don't know about you. Who was here? Just raise your hand if you were here at Daryl Tunningly. Okay. Right, great. Well, it was a fantastic uh, testimony that he had in the evening. And I sat there, and I was riveted. In fact, I'd like to read his book when I get a moment. And uh, for those of you who don't know, basically, he grew up as a, as a villain. He took drugs. He became a drug dealer. Uh, was involved in robbery and all sorts of nasty things. And eventually got put in prison. And in prison, he was very violent, uncontrollable, bashed other prisoners, was generally nasty. And uh, one day, I presume it was a, a, a Christian guy, asked him if he wanted to do the Alpha course. Now, again, he was very angry to be asked about that. But to cut a long story short, he, he went to the Alpha course. And uh, the way he told it is much more amusing than the way I could. But he said that running the course was, I think, a vicar and two elderly nuns. And uh, he said him and his mates went in to the Alpha, and they were very abusive and confrontational with the vicar and the nuns. Which, again, probably wasn't very surprising. But the important thing was this, that they continued to love him. That was amazing. They were seeking to build bridges towards him. And despite the abuse that they received from him and his fellow prisoners... They continue just to love him back. And I was very impressed with them and uh, the fact that they persevered and they built bridges into his life. And then as a result of that, one night he prayed. Nothing happened. The next day he woke up and something had happened. And God met with him and his life radically changed. Love builds bridges. I wonder who you are seeking to build bridges with in your life. Now, we've got some friends uh, that we've had for some time now, over 15 years. We love them. We do. And uh, you know, our prayer is that they will one day see who Jesus really is. So it's over 15 years. But we're seeking to build bridges. Who has God brought into your life? This Friday... I had the privilege of, when I came back to the office, I thought I must see my uh, daughter-in-law and granddaughter because they come to Little Stars. So I came down to Little Stars and I saw them and it was great. And I saw everything else that was going on and I was just noticed things about people who are serving here. And it was amazingly busy. There were many, many mums, dads, grandparents. This area here was just full of little children and their parents and grandparents and so on. And this area here, they had little trucks and were bombing around the place and slides and coffee. And it was just great. Fantastic. And seeing the people here who come and serve often anonymously. If I said, do you know who serves at Little Stars? I guess many of you probably don't. 
So they're serving, by and large, they're serving here anonymously on a Tuesday and a Friday. And it's great. We're seeking to build a bridge into our community. And it's great. Our Wickham Homeless Connection as well, happening in the winter months, by and large. And people coming to serve there. We're seeking to build a bridge into our community. Love builds bridges. And our Christians Against Poverty, the work that Ian's doing, and it's just great to reach into our community the bridge that we have for our young adults, our whole small group structure. We want to build bridges. You see, Jesus built the ultimate bridge when he came from heaven to earth. That's the ultimate bridge. There's no bridge bigger than that. He came from heaven to earth and he sacrificed his life on the cross. My, that's a huge bridge that Jesus built that we could walk across and get into our heavenly Father's arms. Love builds bridges. Love builds crosses barriers, and love never fails. Um, I was talking with Dave earlier, and uh, Dave and Pauline, many moons ago, I think it was over, well over 30 years ago, they had some neighbors living next door to them. They lived in a, a terraced house, and they had some neighbors living next door to them, and they got to know them, and uh, you know, loved them with the love of God, husband and wife at that time, and uh, wife got, became a Christian. She became a follower of Jesus. Fantastic. Great. Okay, what about husband? Well, we need to just, you know, love him. We need to encourage them, just reveal God's love. And that went on for some time. Went on for five years. Lots of prayer, inviting husband to meetings. Come along to this, come along to that, come along to this social, come along to that social. Five years go by. Nothing happens. Okay, but love never fails, does it? Okay? So let's persevere for another five years. Ten years go by. Nothing happens. Fifteen years go by. Nothing happens. Twenty years go by. Nothing happens. Twenty-five years go by. Nothing happens. Thirty years go by. Nothing happens. Thirty-five years go by. Something happens. Something happens in that lady's husband's heart. And uh, I spoke to her this morning, and I said, would it be okay if I shared a bit of your story this morning here at King's. And she said, yeah, of course it would. So Patsy and Richard Wyatt. And Richard now is involved in running our Alpha course. So, you know, who are you persevering with, I wonder? Who have you got on your heart? Who are you praying for? Who are you seeking to reach out to? Love never fails. See, love never fails in many ways. Our small groups, I think, has just been amazing I'm just so encouraged by our small groups. In fact, I have a confession to make. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. No? Okay, I won't share it then. That's all right. Um, (laughs) Now, my confession is this. I haven't signed up for a small group yet. Yeah. Ooh, intake of breath. Ooh, sigh. Yeah. Uh, The reason for that is this. Uh, Mark Riley was going to be running a small group, which I was going to be part of. It's not able to be happening this term and we've been away, so I haven't got round to doing it, but I have got one in mind. But um, our small groups, our small knitting groups, our small knitting groups, or is it our knitting small groups? I'm not sure. But you know what I mean. Anybody who's in our small knitting group or knitting small group, could you stand, please? I'll point you out if you don't stand. Now, come on. I'm going to point you out. <laughs> yeah. Let's give them a round of applause. Please sit down. 
And the reason for that is this, that our knitting groups beavered away, knitting lots and lots and lots of stuff. And just before Joy and I went off to Kathmandu, we had a big sale, or they had a big sale at the back of the auditorium. And thank you very much to all those who supported that, because lots of money was raised, a thousand pounds in fact, which we took over to Kathmandu. In addition to that, various members in the church gave us additional designated gifts for specific purposes before we went. So we took out some money with us for specific purposes. And our knitting ladies uh, raised money so that solar panels could be put on the roofs of either one or, depending on the cost, two children's homes in order to generate electricity so that they could have a minimum of light, they could use computers, they could have the TV on, and the fridge could be on all the time, which for us we kind of just take for granted, but out there it's very different. So when we're out there... Love never fails because we're able to have both the children's homes set up with solar panels. Uh, And Amos showed us around and Maya showed us around what was going on. Maya went around the house and she began to switch all the lights on just to show us that it was all working. And Amos took us up onto the roof and he was like a boy in a sweet shop. He was so happy. In addition to that, he said the children because we had some money left over. He said, the children have also... He said, thank you very much to King's Church High Wycombe for all the support and love that you show us. It means so much to us, both in the church and in the home. And uh, he also took us around. We had some money left, and he showed us their computer suite. Well, when I say computer suite, I mean a few wrecked computers that didn't work. And uh, he said, the children have been praying for a computer. So the light bulb went on in our minds, and we said, okay, we've got some money left. Let's see how much they cost. So we went to the computer shop with him and uh, discovered that we had enough money to buy two computers. So they are now installed in the home, and the kids are able to do homework because they're all growing up now. Homework's a very key part. Education is massive over there. It's a very important thing, so it's going to be very helpful for them. See, love never fails. Love never fails. In addition to that, uh, we got some money to buy blankets for all the ch- winter blankets for all the children in one of the homes, and uh, we were able to. We went down with Maya to the wholesale shop and negotiated the cost of blankets, and we, we had to to 16p, yeah, to 16p difference. We had enough money to buy blankets for every single child in that home. Love never fails. Amen. In addition to that. We also had a little bit left over. You know, we had some more. The, we encouraged in 2012 the church to have a creche for the kids. So in 2012, we bought toys. They've all got worn out, broken, etc., etc. Or the kids took them home in their pockets surreptitiously. And uh, so we said to Amos and Dolma, would it be useful to have toys? They said, yes. So we went out with them. They chose the toys. We, we paid for it with the money that we'd been given. In addition to that, in one of the homes, there was a window that had no glass in it. No mosquito netting on it. So we said, how much would it cost to have that done? We had enough money to have all that done as well. So love never fails. I realize this though. That the love we have ourselves is too shallow to stand on its own. My love is not good enough. It's not going to be good enough. I need a love which is greater than the natural love that I have. So do you. Where does it come from? Well, we know where it comes from. It comes from God himself, because God is love. I want to ask this question. Do you think that the Lord is reluctant to share his love with you and me? I don't think so. 
He sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. That demonstrates once and for all that God is more than willing to share his love for us. In fact, not only that, Jesus said, when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to bring who I am to you. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So love crosses barriers. We see Jesus crossing barriers with the woman at the well. Love builds bridges. Jesus, again, was a great bridge builder. He saw beyond the outward appearance of people and reached into who they really were. The centurion whose faith he commended. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, come down from the tree. I'm having dinner with you today. He got to know people. They mattered to him. He wept at Lazarus' tomb. Why did he weep at Lazarus' tomb? Because he loved him. He loved the guy because he knew him. He knew the family. The family loved him. If Christianity is not about anything, it's certainly about love. It's about the love of God. And we must never, ever lose sight of that. And love, if you love someone with the love of God, tell you this, it will never fail. The temptation for all of us is this, to give up along the way, not to persevere, but I believe this, that the Lord just wants to encourage us along our route to love people with His love and to reach out to Him, to them beyond our prejudices, beyond our barriers, because His love in the end will never fail. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that this is the day that you have made. We do pray for our friends and family in in Kathmandu, Lord Jesus. We love them. (laughs) We love them. We want to see them blessed and strengthened and encouraged. And so we ask for your powerful blessing upon them, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for the dear family of God here and the people here today. Every single person here is loved by you. Every single person here is known by you. Jesus, you're amazing. Now we ask, Father, that your spirit would come again today, even in the last 15 minutes or so of this meeting. We ask that the Holy Spirit would come and fill us afresh and inspire us, Lord, and encourage each one of us in the individual situation, the unique situation, Father, that each one of us faces to reveal something of your love to those people we meet. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.